Listening Fridays to the feature Times Like This on Aro City Radio in partnership with Luxembourg Times. Good morning, Dewey. Hello, Lisa. How are you? It's good to see you again. I know, I haven't seen you for ages. (laughs) How are things? Very well. Right, let's crack on with all the stories. Got lots here. Let's indeed. Um, First one is is one by Heleth, actually. It's... um, a bit of a shocker because it's not the image that you think of in terms of EU staff and Luxembourg. You thought they were overpaid already anyway, no, right? Not, uh, do you know what? Some of them, yes. Uh, <laughs> love you all dearly. Careful, but, you careful know. what you say. I was an EU civil servant myself for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I can confirm. <laughs> but I do know I've met, well, what I would say is once I thought about it, it didn't surprise me that much. So the, the headline is EU must pay staff in Luxembourg more, the watchdog says, yes. because um, some people are earning less than minimum salary. Now, once I thought about it, it didn't surprise me because I met quite a few people over the past years who are on contracts rather than, you know, full con- full contracts. That is a uh, real epidemic around, among the EU institutions. Yeah. And it's hiring people by contracts. Whereas and, here, you can, like in Luxembourg, you can have, I think, one temporary contract and yeah. then you can, you have to yeah. move on to a full-time contract. So no, the, the, is the, that the, what the it's criticism, about? Because it comes from uh, from the European Court of Auditors, who are EU civil servants themselves, so they should know what they talk about. Right. Uh, it is specifically for the for the lower, lower grade uh, staff. So it's uh, PAs and maybe, uh, you know, administrators administrative assistants and, and and maybe drivers and so on mm-hmm. uh, those people are uh, are paid at levels that uh, that can sometimes be below the the minimum uh, uh, minimum wage in Luxembourg and it's very hard to uh, to attract um, people uh, to Luxembourg for uh, for the for those kinds of jobs so you you'll generally find that that's the jobs where there is either local people or not even local people uh, or as people maybe from Bulgaria, from Romania, much lower, lower, uh, lower wage countries. That are maybe accepting the jobs with those salaries, thinking it's a decent salary, get here and realise the, the cost of living. Possibly, yeah. but that's that's definitely my own experience. That that's a lot of people from those countries go for those jobs. Yeah, I think the issue is also wider because I think what the ECA is trying to say is, well, a living is much more expensive in Luxembourg than it is in Brussels. It's on average something like fifteen percent more expensive. So nobody in Brussels who works or already works for the EU is going to say, oh yeah, I'm going to come to Luxembourg because effectively it would mean a fifteen percent pay cut. Mm-hmm. And this has long been an issue. Luxembourg's concerned about it because they want to remain relevant as, a, as an EU capital and um, and uh, of course uh, local people and the institutions are concerned about it because they also want to, uh, to continue to exist here mm-hmm. and this is uh, this is something we knew was happening but we hadn't we didn't know that the ECA was also putting its weight behind it the Commission is studying it and they and they're thinking of doing something about so it's likely that things will change. I don't know. I can't say, but uh, so th- they don't have to comply with what would be considered Luxembourg law. Then I take it for employment laws. No, they wow. no, they're not subject to uh, Luxembourg labour law. Not at all. No. No, that's interesting. That is very interesting. <laughs> oh well, uh, you know what? Look forward to hearing more about that and going in the right direction. So we'll yeah, see no, if that no, one comes back again. These these EU institutions have, for instance, they have their own labour arbitration councils. If you have a labour conflict, you can't go to Luxembourg uh, court over mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. You have to go to uh, to your to their own arbitration uh, council. Right. So. Right. Um, 
Okay, so next, the next story is, uh, yeah, let's just get COVID out of the way, but the herd immunity remains elusive for Luxembourg. I actually was quite surprised by that headline because I read, I think 65% or 60% um, of the population are double vac- vaccinated, which in places like the UK isn't the case. You know, they've, got, they've done well with their vaccination campaign, but the double vaccination seems to be Well, you're right. Not uh, quite. I think the number that I saw was 57% in Luxembourg's double vaccinated, fully protected. And I thought, well, that's not too shabby. Yeah. And uh, But then we spoke to... And you see a lot of countries, they're, um, they're, they're at that level, 60% or around. At the same time, you see the number of injections is slowing down. Mm-hmm. The number of vaccinations is slowing down, and particularly the number of first vaccinations is, is, is dropping quite dramatically. Right. Uh, so that means it's becoming harder to convince people who haven't already had their shot to, uh, to, to, to take one. For whatever reason, maybe they're against it, maybe they're just not interested or not organized enough to come and get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you see that governments now need to think about, okay, how next? How are we going to convince that remaining group of people who haven't received the vaccination? How are we going to convince them to, to, to take the shot? Because we spoke to a professor and he said 60% is not enough mm-hmm. for herd immunity. 60% means the, the virus can still travel freely around the population, particularly now that you have the Delta variant, which is much more contagious. It's, it's interesting, though, because, I mean, I've got a couple of things that I that I kind of wonder about. It's like the kids coming back from university, like a lot of the kids who've come back, my one of them, one of mine's mm. at university, a lot of the friends that came back, they'd already got their vaccinations in the US. They got them somewhere else. So they're not, they're registered here, but it looks as if they haven't been vaccinated, right? Mm. My daughter did it the other way. She came back and so she's now had one vaccination, but hasn't had her second one. Yeah. Um, but we'll get it before she goes back to uni kind of thing. Um, for example, um, there are a lot of people, older people, when they, it was very slow in the beginning, there are a lot of people that I think are registered here who are only living here part-time. They've retired and they're maybe living between here and Portugal. So, you know, like, I do wonder yeah. how... It may well be, because we the, the 57% is a very simple calculation. We just looked at the number of... Um, oh, so that's your had, calculation. It's not some. It's not the government's. Well, they gave the number. Right. They gave the number, and then way. we know mm-hmm. how many people live in the country. Right. So we say, okay, that's that's fifty-seven percent. Right. But we don't know exactly what who those people are. Are there uh, cross-border workers in there? Right. We don't know. But that's our own. Uh, right. That's right. Our own right. calculation based on the absolute numbers that the that the government gave us. Yeah. No, it's interesting because I know a lot of the young ones have had trouble because they've been vaccinated elsewhere, like the UK and the US, and it's not recognised. Their vaccinations have not been recognised here yeah. yet. Yeah. So getting into a number of the events, it's meant they've had to do the COVID check testing, which is fine as well. And they, yeah. I mean, the ones I know have been fine about it. But, you know, I do wonder how that skews that data. Well, you see that uh, in France, they take a much hard, harsher approach. You, you've got Macron basically say, if you're not vaccinated, you uh, you kind of will be shut out from social life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Luxembourg is going to do that. I don't, always... I don't know that that's actually even uh, the way to convince people. I mean, that's very no, odd. No, not at it's all. It's a very I odd think, approach. Yeah, it's ultimately... I'm of the opinion that that's that's people's decision mm. uh, to uh, whether they take the shot or not. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be more on that as 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 time goes on because the stats. Well, are, it, it know, could be worth looking into uh, how those numbers are uh, are calculated, and it may well be. But this this guy we spoke to yesterday, professor at the uh, immunology. Immunology Institute here said you need 80% for the Delta virus. For the, to, 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 uh, to really, and right. then you can say, okay, now it's the, the virus just simply can't jump from one person to the other right. anymore because it's right. and, it, and it'll die out naturally. But that we're still well removed from that. I, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. Um, <clears throat> the next one, Luxembourg slaps a record of a 750,000 million, no, million fine on Amazon. Uh, that sounds amazing. Is it likely to be paid or is that a different? Uh, well, I'm sure they'll contest it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure they can pay, again, they can afford very good lawyers. So let's right. see what comes out of it. And that's for, for <clears throat> what was the fine for? for it not- was for GDPR, uh, so privacy um, no way. violations. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It was the highest fine ever for, for privacy violations. Whoa. I know. And uh, we had such a quiet week last week and we thought like, oh my, oh my word, August is beginning. There's no news. And on Friday afternoon, this came in and I thought, yes, this is... A rare case of Luxembourg punching above its weight, you know, making headlines across the world. And uh, it was very interesting because we knew that they were going to find Amazon. Um, this has been covered by the Wall Street Journal, in fact, in, uh, in New York. And they had said that Luxembourg would, um, would impose a 350 million euros fine on, on Amazon. And then mm, the actual news was it wasn't 350, it was 750, it was almost twice as much. And that would be very interesting to find out what convinced them to charge more uh, uh, to charge more from Amazon. That is, well, I'm, I'm surprised. What I thought it was like not paying taxes or not doing whatever, but that's a bit of a stunner that it was the GDPR. No, it because, was GDPR and... Uh, I mean, GDPR seemed to be coming out as like a slow train for about three years. You'd have thought yeah. Amazon would have been the one who would really have been on it in terms of compliance well we, we we don't exactly know what uh, what, what, what the wrongdoing was because yeah. the cmpd the privacy regulator he doesn't want to talk about it oh. like, as long as the case isn't settled we can't say anything about it it's a bit of a, of a black hole for us uh-huh. but uh, uh-huh. when we find out we uh, will uh, we find out more we'll let you know Fendi from Amazon wants to call in 691353599 go you on can have you live on air for a few minutes yeah why don't you <laughs> unlikely to happen but you know but the cmpd the, the intrepid privacy regulators were also in the news two other stories this week because we spoke to them for an interview uh, kate oglesby did that and um they said that the number of uh, cyber security breaches of uh, privacy violations through hacks last year had risen somewhat eight uh, percent and they think that's because of the of the corona crisis because people are sitting at home working from not necessarily very safe connections connecting to the mm. internet uh, connecting to work from their home computers and uh, they thought that had given rise to a lot more opportunity for criminals to go into those connections and steal data so that's one of the things they said oh that's interesting yeah yeah. I uh, wonder I wonder which it'd be interesting to find out which companies really were ready to hit the ground running for this. Yeah. And how many, you know, and how many then over time managed to get, you know, the secure links for their employees um and how many are still exposed. Well, we've all we've all done it, right? So it's yeah. basically uh yeah, yeah. yeah, you you have your own your home Wi-Fi and uh, who knows what to, uh, no, it's not the same as being in the office uh-huh. uh, and connecting to the network there, I think. So that was an interesting snippet. And then, of course, the other thing is that um, uh, through a glitch in the uh, in the parliament, uh, the names of tens of thousands I of citizens. I saw that. I did wonder. On. I did wonder what I'd signed up for, like in terms of petitions. It did give me a bit of time to reflect. And so see what now was we it. know all the petitions you have signed, Lisa. I yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, I did see, you know, that one didn't surprise me. 
Why that not? didn't surprise me. Well, that, that. Why not? Because Luxembourg's been pretty... L- because the state of IT is in... Uh, I, I just don't think we're good, we've are we been good at that. I mean, there were medical data. Those medical data yeah. was, like, lost not that long. Yeah. Well, okay, maybe a few years ago. And there just seemed to be constant glitches and that kind of yeah. thing. So that one didn't that one didn't shock me at well, all. Well, the CMPD have 40 people uh, that they employ. So I think they... Uh, I'm sure they're fighting a heroic battle, but... Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many uh, of that battle they can win. So basically, anybody who signed petitions over a period of time, their names and addresses were on the. Was it was not? I don't know anybody, but there, I think it was a number a number of petitions where you could see people's names, and uh, it, the, I think the issue has been fixed now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But uh, it, it, was, it was for a few days. It was visible. Wow. So. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, there's another one here by John, the, another story here by John. The lobby register is down, not out, the coalition lawmaker says. So what's that about? Parliament wants to wants to make it visible to people which lobbyists they have been in touch with. So if a lawmaker receives a, a functionary, let's say, from a large multinational based in this country, won't name any names, and they have a chat and, uh, and the lobbyist friend, and, you know, explains to this lawmaker in a friendly way how the laws should be written, um, so who's trying to create the lobby? Is this uh, is is the lobby register? Is that something that's normal in other countries? I feel yes. we've maybe talked about this before. Yeah. That's a normal thing. It's a normal thing, and we don't have it. We don't have. We have some rudimentary form of it, but uh, it needs to be better. The European Commission has said it needs to be better, and other transparency bodies have said that this is really something that Luxembourg needs to fix. Uh-huh. Then Sven Clement of the Pirate Party had a proposal. He had looked at Bel- how Belgium had done it, and he liked that proposal and, 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 and had navigated it through Parliament. And it was about to be adopted. It was about to... It, had go- it was in committee. As you know, a, a law needs to go in committee first mm-hmm. and then go into the plenary. It was in committee. And then the CSV, is an opposition party, uh, had said, well, we want to do a legal study into this, into this because we think that disclosing the names of these lobbyists may be violating privacy principles. Oh. And, um, right. and uh, they did that study. The study was critical of the law, as you would expect. Uh, and then, interesting, but the interesting political fact was that the Democratic Party, the, the ruling pro-business liberals, they got behind the CSV and said, well, we also now think that the law needs to be redrafted. Right. And um, this was, of course, a little bit of a shocker because it's the, it's the coalition government that promised that this transparency, lo- uh, this, lobby, uh, this lobby register would be put in place. Uh, so for them now to say, well, actually, we have a second thoughts about it, uh, is a bit uh, was a bit of a shocker. Um, John spoke to uh, one of the DP uh, members of parliament and he said, well, that doesn't mean we're not going to adopt a lobby register. It'll just be a little bit delayed. That's right. all. And so we want to tweak the, the law a bit. But Uh-huh. Yeah. It'll, it'll come. Um it seems as it seems like it seems an obvious thing, really, doesn't it? That should be in place, and if other countries are I, already doing it, I think it, if you draft a law in any country, you would normally have people who look at the legal consequences right. of those law and then and then have already made the decision whether that's that's violating privacy principles or not. So it's it's surprising that at this the, late, later stage, stage mm-hmm. it looked a little bit like a political coup. That mm-hmm. uh, and you might think, why is the Democratic Party behind this? Because you know maybe they're not in favour of a. But that's just a supposition. Andrew Bowler said he was very much in favour of the of the of the lobby register. So we'll right, 
have see, to take his word for that. See what happens, see yeah. whether it does move forward. Um, just one one more before we... We've got time for one more before we go, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's the one about the sustaini- sustainability label um, for local uh, wood. Oh, that was a really interesting story as well. This was one of these big, uh, big, big PR events. That, uh, sorry, big events. I should say, I shouldn't say PR events. Big <laughs> policy events that the government did, uh, where they said, "Look, there's now uh, we want uh, we want this label for Luxembourg wood, and if you buy furniture, you can uh, we can proudly say this was made out of Luxembourg wood." Right. And then the Forest Stewardship Council, which is a global organization that looks at sustainable uh, wood. Uh, said, well, uh, but hang on, your own, uh, th- th- you, you're not even looking whether that would actually comes from Luxembourg. It's not checked in the process. And also, some of the forests in Luxembourg, interestingly enough, they don't have a sustainability label. We don't know because the communes in which those forests are are refusing to uh, to comply with our rules. So we don't know if those forests, even if the wood does come from Luxembourg, which you cannot check, we don't know if that wood is sustainable or not. So okay. they, the FSC was saying that label is, 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 is worthless, basically. Most of the communes do apply, do adhere to the standards, but some don't. And so they said um, it's, it's really, I mean, it's a nice, it's a great idea, but it's, 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 not, uh, it's not verifiable in, uh, in, in practice. You can't check whether the wood is actually sustainable or not. One of the things that I thought was surprising, <coughs> actually, is the amount of wood from Luxembourg, it doesn't see that to stunning. me. Stunning, yeah. And uh, and there were people saying, well, the wood the wood industry, the local wood industry, has been wrecked in in Luxembourg. So we export all the good wood, the oak and the beech. That's what uh, I was going to say. That it, that's going to China straight away. But it seemed it's not even as if it's going somewhere and be. It seemed as if it was like to manipulate the 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 um, the market that the well, Chinese. Well, that's were... the supposition that that the Chinese, you know buy up this wood very aggressively because they want to kill the local wood industry and then they want to do with the, with the wood, they, they can do with the wood whatever they want to do right. in, in China. And so people were saying in that in that story, which also the Luxemburger Wort wrote about, they were saying, well, you've wrecked the wood industry and now you're going to say, oh, we should uh, we should enhance local production, but it's really a little bit uh, uh, too little too late. Uh-huh. So uh, there were there were two interesting aspects from that story, I think. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very interesting, actually. I thought that was that was a really good one. Yeah. Um, there, has there been any response from the environmental ministry or any of the authorities or... Not, Not that really. I can remember, no. But I want to. I, I'd like to look into this more because also, when you walk into a forest, you see all these dead trees now, and uh, yeah. uh, because of the climate change. So yeah, there's there's more to be written about that. I think and more to be written, and I think more to be no more to be done in terms of reforestation as well. Because yeah. I mean, this summer has just exposed, you know, the, the flooding that we're having is just incredible in yeah. terms of. Well, they're saying yeah. it's the wrong it's the wrong kind of precipitation to save the forests because what you need is snow in winter because then that melts and seeps into the ground very slowly, slowly. and these sort of run off the flash floods do nothing doesn't in terms help much of for the groundwater yeah, levels. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, thank you so much. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot in in that. That's a week's worth of. Uh, we, we do our best, even though it, it's August, and it, yeah, just <laughs> nobody t- wants to read the news, but because uh, they're all on the beach, but. <laughs> But it's it's uh, yeah those are just some of the stories that have been in the in the news this last week. So uh, people want to want to read more about it. They can head over to luxtimes.lu. Um, are you here next week or is it how how are you doing it? Are you? Uh, we haven't around? decided that yet, but uh, huh. I might well be. Yes. Well, I'm here. 
Very Just good. Just to tell you, well, I'm here. Well, let's make it a deal think. then. I'll come back on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Debbie, thank you so much. All right. Um, and uh, we'll speak again soon.